All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, and that is... James Davis. And we are gearing up for Week 15 in the NFL. It's just coming down to the home stretch here, buddy. Three more weeks left. I mean, playoffs, I guess, sort of count, but the player pool gets uh, constricted, contracted, something with a con, and then active at the end. But um, <laughs> the, uh, it's early, buddy. It's early. It's snowing outside. I got a long drive ahead of me. So oh, I'm man. Going, I, but it's okay because we're coming to see you. We're gonna be doing, the next podcast you hear from this one will be live. Live sure. from the Vivid Seats Lounge, where we're both sitting in the same lounge together. So, um, so it's all good. But uh, <laughs> so the Vivid Seats Lounge, just to clarify, it's two different locations. It's wherever I am. That's a, wherever I'm speaking. That's where the Vivid Seats Lounge is. So. so here I'm. So my Vivid Seats Lounge right now looks like me sitting in a chair, with my foot elevated up on a hamper because I you hurt my ankle. So this is like uh, football. Yeah, this guy's. That, people wouldn't want to see what the Vivid Seats Lounge looks like. Over you here. sent There's me a big. Bag of frozen peas, that's my ice. So. You sent me a picture of your foot uh, yeah. on Sunday after you had kind of fallen off this uh, this rock wall, and it looked like it looked like a baby bonnet, like your sock over like a baby's head, like a really hairy baby. That's how thick. It was just like it didn't, didn't look. I'll tell you what it didn't look like. It didn't look so like cute. an ankle. Well, it just didn't yeah. look like an ankle is what I'm saying. <laughs> like ankles look one way. This thing looked totally different. Anyway, we're going off the rails here. Week 15 cash games. How do you feel when we get late in the season and we're talking – you know, teams are out of it, and there's certain there's different levels of motivation for for different teams, and you know, guys that we thought we were on record breaking paces have kind of tailed off, and all this other stuff as we get late in the season. Do you think it, does it change your mindset around cash games, or is it? I mean, or is it kind of just like business as usual because there's so few weeks in the NFL, and that's just kind of how teams operate. I think the bigger thing for me, honestly, is that at this point in the season, teams become a lot less predictable with how they're going to deploy their assets. Um, so, you know, team, like, thankfully, actually, we don't really have many teams that have totally locked anything up. I think most teams, the good teams anyway, are still playing for something material. And that's really helpful to us. Because uh, then, you know, we're not going to see guys starting to sit. Uh, I think we will see that in the next couple weeks. So, you know, try to cherish it now. Um, some of these terrible teams, though, like we saw with the Giants last week, they just dusted off Eli's corpse and rolled him out there. Um, we could see more weirdness from the bottom feeding teams. So I think the teams that I'm going to be, you know, most keyed in on, I guess, uh, the teams that I'm going to be trying to target are going to be the teams with a little bit more to play for than just the very worst of the worst, you know, like the Giants and the Redskins and teams like that. So that's kind of where my mindset's at. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be able to do that precisely, but um, I'm definitely starting to think that way. Yeah, it's so weird with NFL because I do think it's one of those sports where, unlike basketball, where you get like the tank, it's really hard to like just straight up tank in football because it feels mm -hmm. like the in, the injury risk goes up so much. Like you can't just go out there and just start throwing in backups um, willy nilly and just kind of you know go fifty percent because I feel like that does actually really increase the you increase the chances that you just get major, major league injured too. It's just a weird thing. So I think in football more than this, to me, football more than the other sports, um, I'm willing to continue along paths for like opportunity on most teams. I think unless there's been some, you know, just you know injury news or something like that. But I think yeah, I think I'm mostly with you. And it just is. It does. It feels like a unique sport to me outside of the other major ones where late season it becomes really hard to trust some of the opportunity. I don't feel like yeah. football falls into the exact same category. Let's break down some of the cash game plays for week 15. Um, you know, we're coming off a week where 
guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas were chalk against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Watson was chalk too uh, for Houston. It looked real bad. Uh, we did not have Watson. Um, I really didn't have Kamara or, or Thomas either, but um, it was looking real bad for Watson basically going into the second half, and then he just went crazy in garbage time. Well, the, the entire second half was garbage time. So, yeah. we'll, so, But he still gets there. I think things – I don't think I'm going to – I don't see myself going back to Watson here um, – but I do think we get a chance to pay up for one of these expensive quarterbacks again. There's this group of expensive quarterbacks. It's Mahomes, Wilson, Watson, Prescott, and then Lamar Jackson, who he's at the top, but he plays on Thursday night and not on the main slate. I wrote up Dak um, as just getting a nice savings on Dak over playing against at home against the Rams. It's an absolute must win for the Cowboys um, if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. He's been among the top-scoring quarterbacks in the league. He's coming off um, a tough week. He had a tough week against New England. Was good against Buffalo, decent against Chicago on Thanksgiving. Can you see rolling out here, uh, rolling Dak out here against the Rams? I think we're getting a nice discount on him, and this has a pretty high spread with the thin total. Yeah, thin, so, let's give me the high total with the thin spread. I can just mess so up. basically, Prescott's coming off his three toughest defensive matchups, probably of the entire season. I don't know if I've scrolled back far enough here. Yeah, he was he was riding high with a lot of games against like the Giants and you know uh, these uh, Miami, Washington, these other crappy teams. Getting New England, Buffalo, and Chicago in three straight games, that's a tough run for anyone. And the fact that he was still at least respectable, especially in the last two games against Buffalo and Chicago, I take that as a good sign. Uh, he'll get a much better matchup here uh, going up against the Rams, who have looked you know feisty in their own right. But uh, I still think it's a, a more favorable spot than it has been. Uh, the one thing I'm keeping an eye on with Dak is the right index finger. You yeah. know, Fingers are not something you want to mess with completely on quarterbacks, and obviously that's his throwing hand, so going to monitor that throughout the week, but yeah, it, comparing him to some of the other names you threw out there, like I'll just look at him and Russell Wilson, for instance, I'd much rather play Dak compared to Wilson, uh, Wilson's just been terrible the last He was the guy I wrote up next, I was going to get to him in a second. He basically ahead, has yeah. had one good week in his last seven, so mm-hmm. you're basically hoping to just try to catch out lightning in a bottle on Wilson, it seems like, like the consistency really hasn't been there, the rushing yards have been nowhere near there. And if he's not going to be running, like that's pretty problematic for his fantasy prospects. Yeah, so so a couple of things. I'll go back to Dak, and then I'll talk about Wilson in a second here. Dak is the seventh most expensive quarterback on DraftKings, behind guys like Baker Mayfield, behind Ryan Tannehill. I know Tannehill's been good, but there's just there's you have definite volume concerns when it comes to Tannehill and Baker. Like I just don't even, I don't I just don't know why he's more expensive, honestly. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, not for, for our purposes, it's only, it's only helpful. So I think you, I think mostly what I'm looking at here in terms of projection is Dak. We don't have him as the highest projected quarterback, but when you take in on DraftKings, we've taken the price into account. The points per dollar looks really, really good. On Wilson, I'm a little. It's a, he's a funny one to me because he gets such a good matchup here against Carolina, who just got run all over by the Falcons last week. Um, their defense looked bad. They just couldn't keep. They couldn't sustain any drives. Gave up a lot of volume to the Falcons passing. Just the Falcons in general. Wilson has had some touchdown regression come over the last few weeks. He had, I think he went like the first seven weeks without throwing an interception and then has thrown one in each of the last five. That was pretty much to be expected. His touchdown interception rate is still basically the best in football, um, even with the recent interceptions because he was so good to start the year. Right. He's had some receiving core issue concerns and just like general sort of offensive stuff. And so he was one that I didn't so, – so when I'm looking at this top group, right, I didn't Mahomes has injury issues also. Like he had a hand issue. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I want to do that. And that one's even more recent than the Dak one. And it looks maybe like it's a little bit worse too. So Mahomes, I don't think I wanted to go there. 
Uh, we'll t- I talk about Wilson. Watson has a tough, ma- tough matchup here against Tennessee. Looks so bad in the first half. And, like, I get that he scored 31 fantasy points last week, but, man, I don't know. He's, a, he, he's one that I, we can probably talk a little more, more about. Then Dak. Then you get Jameis, who's down now without Mike Evans. And then you get guys who we probably just really don't want to play because they're, they're make a Brady Wentz. You know what I mean? So I think that I, I, at some point for me, for cash games, I sort of just run, started running out of names that I kind of trusted in cash. Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind Wentz except every single receiver on his team is hurt. So um, And Washington defense actually hasn't even been that bad. So I don't know. That's kind of where I landed on Dak and Russell. They feels like you're getting a little bit of a discount because of the recent run. And I get looking at the recent game long, it doesn't make you feel that good about it. Yeah, I guess I would just prefer Dak if we're looking at the two of those. Um, I think the reasons for the lack of performance are a little bit more compelling there. And yeah, that's just kind of kind of how I view it right now. Um, you know, both teams playing for things, so they should be going all out here. I'm just concerned that Seattle, like in a way that a lot of these other top guys have, like take Houston, for instance, when the going gets tough, you can just count on Watson to like, yeah pull out all the stops and he's running and scoring multiple rushing touchdowns for Seattle. They're kind of like, eh, we could give it to Dak or not, you know, we, or uh, Russell, we could give it to Russell or not. We could hand it off. We'll see. Maybe he'll throw 25 times against the Eagles, you know? Um, and that, that concerns me. I think that's something like, especially that game against the Eagles, I think is indicative that there is a game script involved for Wilson that isn't really involved, like a potential game script for most of the other top guys. And that's what would concern me the most about playing him in cash here. Yeah, I think when it all when it's all said and done, my guess is that our projection is just probably just a little low on Watson, and that's where I'm gonna have to take probably a little bit. Yeah, I don't mind score. Watson at all. Tennessee much better against the run than against the much best. better against the run, and also you get a little volume tick up um, in terms of their opponents play per game. Well, I'll take a look at that. Let's get over to running backs. Um, we re-rostered McCaffrey, and honestly, last week he was not all that highly owned. Some like thirty percent, maybe a little higher on DraftKings, maybe closer to 50 percent on DraftKings without looking mm-hmm. at it. He, um, I'm giving your thoughts here because, again, Carolina, nothing to play for. Got dumpstered by Atlanta last week. Kyle Allen looked horrible. And then McCaffrey's <laughs> usage was still kind of there. Like, I don't know. I, I just don't know where, you know, the price does drop down a little bit. Do you feel comfortable running him again, even with sort of the context around the play? I think I do. You know, so the thing with McCaffrey and the Panthers in general right now is they've got a, multiple factors pushing them in different directions. So on one hand... Uh, new coaching staff, and you're like, well, geez, like they could just really switch things up. And most people don't have this historic level of usage that McCaffrey's had. So let's proceed with caution. On the other hand, new coaching staff probably doesn't want to just keep getting blown out by teams like the Falcons, right? Like, I feel like they're almost under more pressure to try and get a win. And in Carolina, by far the clearest path towards victory is giving McCaffrey the ball. Uh, His touches were excellent yeah. last week. Um, he had almost five yards to carry, and he caught 11 of the 12 targets that were thrown his way for 82 yards. When you want to compare that against the plays where Kyle Allen had to make something happen uh, on his own, uh, it's night and day, right? So I think there's potential growth in McCaffrey's touches here. And I think in a way that's different for many teams, I think Carolina actually is incentivized to try to stay competitive. And I don't. And I think the, the mandate, we would have seen it last week too, if the mandate was, hey, let's just rest... Christian here and you know get him geared up for next season we would have seen that last week we didn't so I think we could see another week of McCaffrey I get that there's some risk involved I'm not married to the play necessarily but I did want to highlight him because I I think you know like some other guys too um we've gotten some pretty bad touchdown luck he had 16 touchdowns 
uh, through the first 13 weeks of the 12 weeks of the season and none in the last two weeks. And, Despite and still I'll, touching the ball a ton. So he got ta- and just for, out of a context thing, he got tackled on the one on a long run on a nine yard run, and then Kyle Allen got the QB sneak for the touchdown. Yeah. So like, and then there was another drive where Kyle Allen. It really actually wasn't his fault. He had a perfect pass to Ian Thomas, and the ball just like donked off of uh, Thomas's hands and just went just went 50 feet up in the air. And then for an easy interception, that actually would have sustained a long drive. That would have put him in the red zone. So not to like take. I'm sure you could look, watch the film for every game, and you could find 50 things that could have gone right for your guy, wrong for your guy, and just make a case mm-hmm. around it. But there was. There was like two pretty close calls with McCaffrey in that game that would have looked made, and I get that would have made those. They made him look like from a okay, didn't kill you play to a really, really good play, even at the prices. What about guy? You know, the other guy you wrote up with Todd Gurley, I, I, which I find interesting, and I think I, I'm I'm into it here. Are we comfortable enough with the usage on Gurley in recent weeks to think that like he's is he entering for you that group of elite backs in terms of touches like he has been in the past? Yeah, so the thing I, I really like about Gurley is two things. We're getting the rare combination of coach speak matching what actually happened in-game. Yeah. Uh, Ian Rappaport reported before last Sunday that the reins would finally be taken off Gurley, and they were. He touched the ball 27 times, got 113 yards, and a touchdown. That is like last season's Todd Gurley, and we're getting it at $1,400 cheaper than we were getting last season's Todd Gurley. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, the production was all there too. I, I think Gurley's probably finally just healthy here. The DraftKings price is a comical 6,000. Uh, I don't like that's in the Devonte Freeman range. I think you're going to clearly play Gurley there and the Rams, you know, looking pretty feisty, pretty resurgent. Uh, they're not officially out of things yet. Um, you know, they're two games back from Seattle and just one game back from Minnesota in the wild card. So you can't rule them out. I think they're going to stick with what works for them. I, I like a lot of Rams this week, but I think Gurley in particular is one I'd be pumped to roster and cash. Yeah, that game has, like, if you want to talk about, like, just narrative piece, that Rams, the Rams-Cowboy game is the one you can point to and say, oh, yeah. if ever if there's two teams that are just going to absolutely put their to, to have to keep their feet on the gas to this entire thing, um, mm-hmm. th- this is, I mean, it's not the only game, but it's definitely one of them. Like, this is a very high leverage game for both those teams. And in week 15, I really do think that means something. I think people will probably want to talk themselves into Saquon here. We can talk about him in the Game to Game podcast. Gets a great matchup against Miami. Touches are there. Uh, it's just an efficiency issue. So we'll get into him. Your boy Patrick Laird, man. We talk, talk, yeah. played, played him in cash last week. Um, he's just a weird guy. Bad running, bad running back. Bad team. Lots of lots of touches, still cheap. I like where do we land on Laird? Against the Giants here, I they could be without Devontae Parker too. Like I don't know. Are we, are we going back to Laird for cash here? Yeah, I, I think you can. I mean, especially on DraftKings. Once again, he's super super cheap, and he just came off touching the ball nineteen times against the Jets. That's a lot of touches. The game was kind of a weird game script, seven field goals, like just a very, very weird situation all around. But the thing with Laird is that the backup options are just either non-existent or awful. Miles Gaskin came in, uh, averaged around a yard a carry. Um, I think the Giants, I think the matchup actually is, is pretty awesome too. I think the Giants are going to have that emotional letdown after last week's game against the Eagles, which for all the world just looked like their Super Bowl. They blow the lead. Like, I think they're going to just be packing it in completely here. Um, yeah, I think Laird is a solid play. I think you're really looking for high floor, cheap running backs this week. There's sort of an absence of those outside of, you know, there's, I guess, potential for a Derrick Henry absence here. Uh, he's questionable right now. But outside of him, it's like looking somewhat grim. And 
I think if you can get layered, that sounds good to me. Yeah, I think you see Gurley as a pretty chalk play. I think um, people are going to talk themselves in the Zeke. There's a lot of there are a lot of running backs. We'll get more into these in the game. Yeah. The game. There's podcast. other two one potentially coming down the pipe too. You know, like if Josh Jacobs misses, uh, you get DeAndre Washington, who is re- quite good. Uh, still pretty cheap, so yeah, you have some options here. The uh, Josh Jacobs just did take the Twitter yesterday to tell everyone that he does not care about your fantasy teams. So another guy that what? just he yeah. doesn't wait even my fantasy team where I drafted him, I stuck my neck out for him, I gave him that vote of confidence heading into his rookie year. He doesn't he doesn't care. I mean, were you one of the people that probably one of the I don't know ten thousand losers that t- tweeted at him? Probably that's probably. Oh, why. I was just regaling him when I was. <laughs> are you playing, man? Are you playing? What's going on? Let's talk real quick about the aforementioned Vivid Seats Lounge. If you get the Vivid Seats app, <laughs> you're buying and selling tickets for this season. If you want to go to a game, late season football, um, I saw there was I think Jacksonville. You could, Jacksonville, you could get a t- ticket for like six bucks. There was <laughs> you, you, you're if you're a football fan in a city where this uh, the team is out of it, this is the time to go enjoy yourself a football game. Go use the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code Overtime O V E R T I M E. It's going to sign you up for the rewards program. Also, give you up to hundred dollars back on that first ticket purchase. Though I do believe if you buy do those seven dollar tickets, I don't think you're going to get hundred dollars back on that. But um, I'm sure that that discount <laughs> range ranges up over the price of the tickets. But it's up to hundred dollars on your first ticket purchase. So go check out the Vivid Seats app. Download it. Use the promo code Overtime. Best ticket app around. All right. Wide receivers, um, I think we're just in setting up here for Chris Godwin slash Tampa Bay chalk week. Mike Evans is out for the season. Um, that opens up something like 22% of their target share. Just with him going down, he led the team in target. He was one of the most targeted guys in football this season. Do you think it's, it's going to be an interesting case here because we have Godwin, but we also possibly have DeAndre Hopkins again without Will Fuller. Do you think there's a weak scenario here where we just go double expensive at wide receiver? We typically have not taken this path, um, but it does feel like things are lining up for this to be the case. Yeah, I think when it comes to wide receiver, one of the things that we observed early, because it's not like in the past we have a track record of not wanting to play expensive wide receivers. Oh, it's just mostly this season because I think there's exactly. been, there's been this a Exactly, because this season yeah. early on we, we saw right away that most of the expensive wide receivers were not living up to their price tags. So, you know, in our model, we pivoted pretty quickly and things worked out very well in that regard. Um, That being said, Godwin has been this interesting exception where he's never been priced exactly like the highest end wide receivers, but there have been weeks where he's performed like one. And I think uh, you didn't totally see it last week against Indy uh, in spite of Evans going down, you know, in the middle of that 61-yard touchdown catch. But I think you can very safely assume that he will be inheriting a lot of targets here. Yeah. And I think double-digit targets is very, very much in play. Um, you know, even some of those early games he had this season, like 14, 12 to 14 targets, I think you could see here. We know that Jameis loves throwing the ball to him. Uh, he's one of the highest conversion rate guys on the team as well. So, yeah, I really like Godwin here. I think uh, if you can find that savings at running back this week, then he's a nice payoff at the wide receiver position. I think he's just going to be so massively owned, too, that there's, in cash, there's just no reason to not do it. I think the, yeah, the combination right. of the ownership plus the high targets, plus he's good. It's not like you're making like this out, outlandish case to not, you know, to, uh, or, you know, kind of go back and forth. This is kind of the exact opportunity we're looking for. This is sort of why we played Hopkins in cash last week. It's like Fuller goes down. Okay, we can just give this guy 12 and a half to 13 targets. This is just what happens, right? Now, we don't have exactly. The case of what happens with Godwin this season, um, but I think we I think we can just we can kind of transpose at least part of, and it doesn't take much take part of Evans' targets onto him. Now the other guys are interesting as well. You have Justin Watson who basically comes out of nowhere last week, and he was the third. So I'm wondering your thought here. So Watson had 
Washington Perryman had a basically the same amount of targets. They both caught a touchdown. And um, I, I don't have the yards right in front of me. I'll look at it while I'm talking. But the, uh, they both were good. And Perryman easily outsnapped him and has outsnapped him for the whole season. But Watson was just much better on like a per snap and sort of per, per target rate. Do you think like the price on Watson at this point and and what happened last week. Like we just we got enough snaps last week to see like, oh, okay, this is a thing. It's not just like, oh, is it Kiki Kute or Kenny Stills? Like we're trying to figure this thing out. It's not doesn't yeah. even seem like that. It's like he came right in and did something. Um, and yeah, I know that- I really like that. I think there's a good combination of factors in Watson's favor here. Uh, the fact that we have seen a proxy situation for this last week. You know, I think there's some reason for concern that. You know, we've talked about many times, especially with Tampa Bay, where the plan was just throw to either Evans or Godwin, whoever seems to be open or not in Jameis's case, right. uh, just throw to one of them. And Watson came in and was kind of able to fill in that role for Evans. I think it's a little bit tricky to just like pencil him in as the heir apparent to all of Evans's targets or anything. So, you know, I want to advise just a little bit of caution there. Like if you have him in your season long playoffs, like I do, Doug then uh, maybe you don't want to just run him right that out there. You want to explore your other options. That being said, the bar for a good $4,500 plays on FanDuel is so low right. <laughs> that I think he easily s- scrapes over that bar. And I think, like Godwin, I expect him to be very, very highly owned as a result. You know, you just get to do, you just get to do so much if you have a one, even one $4,500 player. Uh, that just frees up so much salary to get really nice high floor upgrades elsewhere and I suspect that's what we'll do. Yeah, the existence of a guy like Watson is exactly why you can safely write up Christian McCaffrey and Dak Prescott exactly. and these other guys. Like this is this is the exact guy that does it. I'm just gonna throw another tight end in here because I know it's not um, I know it's not that position yet. But OJ Howard, I actually think it becomes very interesting as mm-hmm. well. Um, I think you can uh, when you just kind of redistribute. You take t- Evans is nine to ten targets a game and redistribute them pretty even evenly across this lineup, and every guy all of a sudden becomes a value play. Like I, that's mm-hmm. just it wasn't like we just took all you know gave Godwin 18 targets and called it a day it's not really how it works it's um you redistribute the, the he's so many to redistribute throughout the lineup that all of a sudden the pricing is pretty inefficient across the board I talked about uh DeAndre Hopkins I think if he were if if Will Fuller were to sit again I think we can pretty easily pencil him in as a cash game play as well that one we're gonna have to kind of take a wait and see approach and then if you just want high floor Julian Edelman just gets double-digit targets every single week. Um, and they get a Cincinnati team this week. Patriots they, Patriots kind of have to keep – they don't have to win probably, but 10-3, and three, if they're looking at anything like home field advantage, this is a game that they're going to want to come away with. Where does Edelman rank for you? He, just, he never gets there on price because the yards and to some degree the touchdowns don't get there. But he's about as safe a cash game wide receiver as you can find in the game right now. Yeah, I really like Edelman. I mean, the Patriots are really struggling for options right now. Uh, racking in double-digit targets in nine straight weeks, eight straight weeks. Uh, that's just a lot. You know, I don't know. There's certainly no one else in the NFL that's doing that right now. Um, the Patriots are really sore for skill position players. Sanu hasn't quite worked out the way they had hoped to take the pressure off Edelman, but he's still there doing it. And I think the Pats are looking at this game, you know, looking at some of the losses they've taken, and I think they're going to want to just drive the nail in the coffin here. I think they're going to get out early. They're going to want to build the confidence of the passing core, too, because it's just been such a problem in these last few weeks that I'm not even worried about potential blowout risk or anything like that. Uh, speaking of the Vivid Seats Lounge, I did chuckle when I was looking at the Patriots uh, schedule just for my write-up, and they were like, buy tickets to a Pats game. They were like, home against Buffalo two hundred from $260. Uh, 
at Cincinnati, forty five dollars. Yeah. So like, oh man, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like there's, a, there's there's a have and have nots in the NFL at this point. I think we yeah. can agree with that. Now they the Patriots are under a little bit of scrutiny because they admitted that they sent some guys to Cincinnati last week to videotape their sidelines. Love it, just going for the edge. I, I look at that as just having an edge. You may call it cheating. We can do tomato tomato on this. Um, quote but, unquote cheating. <laughs> but. Uh, just helps the Edelman case. They're just. I hope, I'm hoping that in here they were just pointing that. Helps the Edelman case because they've been cheating to give him like a better situation. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do you think this is? Well, this is we're not like we're not playing checkers here. Uh, like I, I don't really. I, sure. From our projection standpoint, um, I want I want the guys I roster to have their coaching staff and their teams to have taken every edge available. I don't care. It doesn't that matter to me how they do it? All right. Uh, like I said, with the Hopkins, check out the Hopkins, or keep an eye on the Hopkins thing. I still actually don't mind DJ Moore. I, we've, gone, we've been on the DJ Moore cash train for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, the targets were down a little bit last week. I still don't mind it. Um, the price has probably come up. There's just probably just other options that you, he just gets, he probably just gets left on the cutting room floor. Not so much because I don't like his opportunity still. It's just that we just mentioned a group of guys in different price tiers that I think you're just going to end up probably rostering. Let's finish off the tight ends. I already mentioned OJ Howard here. Could we be looking at if there's like a Howard plus, there's some cheap tight ends here, man. Like I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, well, give me, give me your quick thoughts on tight end before we get out of here. I think it's gonna start with Tyler Hickbeast, man. Yeah, this Higbeast, guy has been, yeah, <laughs> yeah coin in it right now. This guy's just been nuts. 19 targets, 14 catches, 120, 223 yards and a touchdown over his last two weeks. Uh, he's just stepping right in and getting it done. He's still very cheap, especially on DraftKings, uh, where I just don't think you're gonna be able to get away from it. And like we've talked about many times at tight end this season. This position just sucks. There's just no good. There's no actual guys who have been consistently paying off big prices from week to week, with one exception, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, but other guys, you know, the, the two big guys from last year, Kelsey and Kittle, have been just pretty bad for their prices. Uh, Kittle's been dealing with an injury all season. Kelsey just hasn't been there on the targets. Emma Holmes being hurt uh, hasn't helped him either. Um, so if you're not going to go with the Hig Beast, uh, Zach Ertz, I think, is the other uh, pretty obvious one. I think most of your tight end ownership is going to be divvied up across those two guys because while Ertz is somewhat expensive he actually is really doing it one bad game against Miami but four out of his last five games he's had uh, nine plus receptions on double digit targets he's got four touchdowns in those five games too so like if there is a high floor expensive tight end Ertz would be it yeah and look Philly is just out of out of options Alshon out Deshaun Jackson out Nelson Aguilar questionable doesn't look like he's going to play either so at some point I mean other teams can figure this out as well but yeah. that, this is where Ertz's targets have been able to maintain a really high floor because they just they every single week a guy from the Eagles gets hurt. So um, I will say that the tight end, you know, the tight end sucks piece is true, but not hasn't been true recently because we've been able to I think lock in pretty good opportunity on like sort of punt prices like Doyle, Ian Thomas. Like when these situations crop up, I think I don't actually mind the position. It's just it's when we're in week six and we've had you know four weeks of just no one. I hate to say this, but no one getting hurt. Um, and all of a sudden everyone's efficiently priced, and that's when you're. You know, you know, on Thanksgiving, texting each other something about Jesper Horstead because you're like, well, I just finally found the guy that actually is going to play. So I think, I, well, that but so that that I think that still just makes tight ends. Suck yeah, you're probably right. Tight end, like if you just get lucky one week and you get to play Ian Thomas, that doesn't mean it's a good position no, <laughs> that, where enough. there's like interesting decisions to be made, right? Like I think that's like when I think about a good position, I think you know one where you can make a credible case for like, you know twice as many guys as you have to play in any week. So like four running backs, six wide receivers, two tight ends. Is that too much yeah, to ask that's for? True. Um, and we just don't get that. So yeah, fair enough. Because we're basically saying, yeah, we're basically saying it's Ertz, Howard, Ertz, Howard, and Higby. 
and that's yeah. just that's the whole group. Yeah, so fair Pretty enough. Much. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Okay, I take it back. I most of it didn't suck because I didn't have to think about it too much. I guess I was going a different way in, <laughs> sure, <laughs> on, sure. on how much I had to think about it. We're gonna get out of here. We'll be back again tomorrow with a game by game breakdown for week 15. In the meantime, you know what to do. You sign up for a uh, free trial to our projection system at dfsr.com slash deals. It's going to get you covered for optimal lineups on FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. NBA, DraftKings NBA almost took down GBPs last night. Just a top Ooh. lineup. All you got to do is hit calculate and just play DK1. My boy Duncan Robinson went absolutely bonkers at no ownership. So um, go sign up for that. It's all covered under one subscription package, dfsr.com slash deals. And you're good to go, buddy. I'll talk to you tomorrow mm -hmm. when we talk face-to-face -face for the week 15 game-by-game -game breakdown. Let's go.